Praise the Lord. John chapter 3, if you'd turn there this morning. And uh, what we're looking at is real Christianity, and maybe do one or two more sessions, then we'll move on to something else, maybe something on the end times. But um, uh, there's marks and there should be evidence and fruit if you're really born again. And we as the church, we as the people of God have every right to expect to see some of that fruit. And if we don't see it, then the conclusion is you've not been genuinely converted. And this is a um, a major difficulty in the hour in which we live and One of the things that triggered this series of studies is because you talk to so many people and uh, they say, oh, I'm a believer. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm saved. I love Jesus. I go to church. But when you look at their life, there's no difference of them than an unsaved person. Sometimes they're worse than unsaved people that I know. They're worse morally for his uh, their character their integrity they lie they fornicate they don't go to church uh, they don't know the bible could care less about knowing the bible and the only time they pray is if there's a difficulty of life or it's traditional or religious prayer And yet, because today, a number of, because of the church today, has lost one, I think, conviction unto repentance. In other words, you cannot take the position that we don't want to offend anyone and expect people to be converted. Because the gospel offends you if you're living in sin. I mean, if you're not living for God, the gospel ought to upset you and offend you. And, and uh, the, uh, it says like goats. Jesus, uh, when Paul was struck from his animal, and the thing the Lord said is, why do you kick against the goads? In other words, what he's talking about in those days, livestock, the oxen uh, that they used to pull carts with, the uh, guide or the owner would have a long pointed stick. And if the oxen began to act up or didn't want to carry the yoke or was disobedient, he would take that sharp stick and goad them right here in their hocks, a very tender place on, the, on livestock, and goad them. And so he, he, when he speaks to Paul, he says, and the oxen many times would kick. And what God said, I've been goading you with this sharp, pungent stick. And you're kicking against it. And the Apostle Paul made a powerful statement. This is a mark of conversion. The mark of conversion. One of the marks, he says, what would you have me do? Right? He's, he's Lord, what would you have me do? Not what I want to do, but what would you have me do? And so we have churches filled and a society filled with people today that are under the deception 
that they're totally right with God and I place much of that blame on the church and the preaching and the ministry. One is because they don't want to offend. Number two, they take polls and ask unsaved people, what kind of church would you like to attend? Now, can you imagine me as a sinner? A.J. is a sinner. Frank Cooper, any of us is a sinner. Amen. Uh, giving me a poll, you know, I'm smoking dope crazy. Uh, you know, I won't go into all of that. But it, it's not, And you're going to ask me the kind of church I want. That's the most bizarre thing in all of life to me. That, that, can you imagine God? Show me in the Bible where God came down or any prophet and God said, what kind of God would you like me to be? You know, that's why we make idols. We make idols because we want to fashion a God who looks a lot like us. And then we can worship it and it makes no demands or does not make us uncomfortable. You'll never be converted... Unless you realize you are responsible for your sin. You'll never be delivered. You'll never be changed until you take responsibility for your sin. If that heat's on, Russ, you might ought to kill it. It's going to get hot in here. It, um, hell's going to get hot. Hey, we built an ark and it come a flood. And praise the Lord. What else can you say? <laughs> These guys built an ark, I should say. I didn't have much to do with it. But, but anyway, um, you're never going to be converted until you embrace the seriousness of personal sin. Much of preaching, witnessing, testifying... On one hand, there's the hope, the love of God. He loves you. He can save you. He died for you. He's full of grace and truth. Uh, the other that balances that out, though, if you don't avail yourself to the grace and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and the mercies of God, if you don't reach out to that in repentance, your sin is going to damn you and judge you. The wages of sin is death. And so that starts the process. We call it conviction. For years I lived in sin, had no convictions about my lifestyle. I wasn't, I wasn't you know, I enjoyed my lifestyle. Uh, didn't even consider changing. Once in a while make a resolution here or there, but wasn't really even too serious about that. But when I got under conviction, and that conviction came from my wife's testimony, and she wasn't cutting me a lot of slack. Her example and her testimony began to cause me to ponder the life I was living. That's conviction. That conviction then opened my heart up to an altar call a challenge given that you can repent of that and your life can be changed, you can be set free. Okay, and so we, we've, we've talked about this. Uh, uh, we've talked about having the new nature. Uh, John chapter 3, 
Uh, we've read it for a number of weeks. We probably won't, uh, I won't read all of it again. Verse 5, Jesus said, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said you must be born again. And then he goes through this whole chapter about believing and, and being transformed and all of this. Uh, so conversion is a new birth. What happens is you are, a new nature is born, okay? And so we talked about that new nature has a new appetite. That new nature to live is going to have to be in a spiritual environment. What once before was not dangerous to you, now is extremely dangerous to you, okay? And that new nature not only gives you new motivation, new appetite, but it gives you new abilities to live for God. You're born again. That's why we have the right, to, if Christ is living in you, there should be evidence. What is some of the evidence? Anybody? How do we know that? Give me some scriptures. What about fruit? The Bible says we're a new creation. Old things pass away from glory to glory is changed. So uh, we looked last week at, at the fruit. Uh, you know a tree by the fruit that it bears, what it produces over and over. A good man out of the good treasures of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the uh, evil of his heart brings forth evil things. Uh, you don't find, uh, you know, uh, briars, you know, or thistles is probably a better word. Thistles don't bear wheat. Um, we don't bear thistles, and etc. Any questions, any statement at this time? Robert. Well, one scripture that really comes to my mind is uh, what I believe was Paul said that uh, neither adulterers, fornicators, uh, liars, I said that as such as, as you were, mm -hmm. but now you are washed. You know, and uh, if you look around you, like you said earlier about how people, I deal with people in my job as an electrician, and uh, they claim the Christian, they claim they, 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 they love God and everything, and I come against them. And I say, hey, if you love God, man, why are you blaspheming this name the way you're doing? Why are you, why are you talking sexual talk? Yeah. I say, if you, I say, you need to be, and he said, yo, you've been brainwashed. I said, yeah, I've been brainwashed. I've been watched by the blood of the lamb, you know. And the thing is, and that's how we have to live our life around among the sinners. Because they're going to read the only Bible they're going to read. And also, they need to be confronted. It, uh, Jesus said, how do you, uh, if you love me, what? Keep my commandments. If you love me, that love in you is going to, to be pulling and drawing you, motivating you, stirring you to keep my commandments. And so, so what's the conflict? What's the battle? Why, why, why do we see people? Why, why are you here this morning? And uh, saved, born again, but you've broken a commandment. How can that be? Okay. Uh, the old nature has it. We have a new nature, but what old nature hasn't died yet? Flesh. And so this is the great conflict of flesh and spirit. Um, uh, Romans 6 and 7 talks about that and etc. Is that um, even though you're born again, that old man is not dead. 
There's two natures living within me. Who knows an Old Testament verse, uh, an Old Testament story uh, that uh, depicts that imagery? Very powerful Old Testament. Um, uh, who knows this story? Old Testament character uh, uh, that was a picture of the two natures. Luis? Okay. Uh, give me the story. He, um, he had an attitude of, uh, of, of uh, unrighteous in, in, uh, when he went to Laban's, his uncle. Uh, he still, uh, he had an encounter with God before, but at the same time, he was not right with God. He kept on living the same way. Until after so many years, like 20, 25 years, when he turned back, he had an encounter with God again. And that's when God uh, deal with him and he say who he was. He said, Jacob, and his name declared his nature uh, uh, the way he was. Okay, that's true. El Bethel, Bethel, house of God, uh, was where he had this encounter, etc. He named it the house of God. But let's back up a little bit. Um, uh, Let's back up just a little bit more and get a little better picture. We're talking about living inside of you two natures. Who, who in the scripture, uh, uh, Old Testament, uh, really portrays that? Mary? Uh, other Mary. <laughs> Behind you. I probably would say David. Um, as much as he loved God, you know, with a passion and was able to... Uh, they, you know, creating me a clean heart. When he's crying out like this, you know, he's uh, taking somebody else's wife that was killed in a battle that was loyal to him. So that's who I would say it is. Okay, other Mary, <laughs> go ahead. That this is all true, but I'm looking for, I'm looking for in the womb. Yeah, Jacob, Jacob and Esau were were. What's that? Jacob and Esau, where they wrestled in their mother's womb and and. And God spoke a prophecy over the two of them that there were two nations within the womb. And then, and then later on, when they grew up, uh, Esau was the picture of the flesh man that would, that would sell his spiritual birthright for, for the flesh, for a moment of the flesh. And, and what and did Rebecca say? There's a powerful word that she spoke. Uh, uh, God had given her a prophecy, and what did she say? Anybody quote the verse? Anybody looked it up quickly? It's a very powerful about the very thing we're talking about. What did she say? She made a statement. Got it? What is it? Okay, but that there's it's more than that. What does she say? She makes a powerful statement about uh, uh, this. What does she say? Anybody? Anybody at all? Anybody? Got it, Tori? What does she say? Yeah. If all is well, God says, listen, all is well with you. But she's got these twins in her stomach, um, in her womb. Uh, if all is, is well, why is there this torment? Why is there this agony? Why is there this conflict raging inside of me? If all is well. And uh, 
the, the, uh, you know, the whole thing, the elders shall serve the younger and all of this stuff. Um, she, he says, because there's two nations, and also in, in the Hebrew there's some kind of say two natures. There are two natures living in you. This is why uh, you're going to birth something for God, but in the birthing process of something for God, you must understand there is this conflict that brings agony of soul. I preached a sermon years ago, birthing something, birthing, I forget what I, birthing, it was ministry or something for God, and preached that text uh, that uh, here she is, um, She's wanting to bring forth destiny. She's wanting to birth something in the name of the Lord. But there's this, this, this torment. If all is well with me, why am I going through this? And that's true with you. The moment you decide to excel for God, that's when this kicks up inside. This war begins to take on a new dimension. And they're fighting in the womb is the thought. They're, they're fighting in the womb um, already. They haven't even been bored yet and they're fighting. And they come out and he's got a hold of his heel, you know, and all of that. It's a very interesting uh, thing. But if you're going to birth something for God out of your life, you're going to have to win the victory over this turmoil. You're going to have to win this internal battle of flesh and spirit. The flesh man. Esau was the flesh man. He was the one that sold his birthright uh, for a moment of pleasure uh, uh, and ex- self-satisfaction. Jacob was the one. He wasn't perfect, but yet he had something that contended a heart after God. And so that's the battle that you still fight today. You're saved. You're converted. You, the nature of God um, has, has taken up residence in you. There's been a conversion, there's been a transformation, and, uh, and, and yet uh, the more you try to excel for God many times until you do break through, discipline that old man, you'll feel that tremendous um, polarization. And so um, uh, this is the conflict, the new desire with the old flesh. This is the battle. We've talked about that. Last week we talked about the fruit um, and I want to focus this morning on the fruit of holiness or righteousness. This is a mark of salvation, is uh, uh, this thought of, of, of holiness or righteousness. Uh, what is righteousness? Give me a working definition of righteousness. Kim? Okay, and it's more than that though. It, it, uh, righteousness, um, it's more than that. Wrong, but it's like a spiritual circumcision where you're like uh, totally separate from an unholy, unrighteous, like a, what was definite evil, exact, total opposite. Yeah, that, that's more holiness is the separation. Um, uh, vessels unto honor, holy um, sanctification. But righteousness is what? Comes from being right with God. Uh, I'd say it's a position you have with God in accordance with His commandments. Well, that's a position, but 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 what else? We're talking about fruit now. What's righteousness, Frank? Doing right. Uh, yeah, doing right. 
heavy, isn't it? <laughs> if you're right with God, we have the right to see you doing right. Amen? Don't tell me you're right with God and you're violating uh, across the board. And again, we're not talking about perfection. Romans 6, 22. Who will get that for me? Uh, Israel. Uh, Romans 6, 13 and 14. Um, um, uh, Benny. Uh, Romans 6, 17 and 18. Robert. Uh, Reuben. Ephesians 2, 10. Uh, Colossians 1, 13 and 14. Bill. Colossians 2, uh, I'm sorry, your name? Sean, okay, I'm sorry, Sean. Colossians 2, 18. Um, James 2, 26. Um, Ron Hamilton. Okay, and then we'll, we'll get some more of you. So we're talking about fruit. We've been talking about fruit. We spent all last Sunday morning talking about uh, there's evidence. There's still something running up here. Is this heat? You got heat on? I hear motors running. It's not in my head. It's up here. It's either on on the platform or it's on back there. Something's on. Um, Romans 6, 22. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Okay, free from sin, service to God, fruit of holiness. He's talking about fruit. Fruit's something you can see. Every lady here shops at the store when she goes into the fruit department. Uh, she, she examines. She looks at the fruit. Amen? I hope you do. Um, uh, Romans 6, 13 and 14. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. What's your members? Pardon? Your body. Uh, Your members. Don't yield your members, your eyes, your hands, your mouth, your ears, your touch. Uh, Don't yield that to unright. Go ahead, to sin. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, but ye are not under the law, but under grace. Okay, he's talking about if you're alive to God, if you're alive to God, there's going to be this demonstration, your members then, you're no longer under the dominion, the control of sin. The mark of salvation, the blood of Jesus Christ, um, he cut that bondage of sin, that's conversion. The blood of Jesus delivered you, saved you, and broke that um, that control. Now you have the ability. He liberated your will. He liberated is a twofold. He broke that control, liberated. Now you have the power to choose righteousness. You have, because he lives inside, now you can begin to exercise dominion. And as you exercise it, you get stronger and stronger, more confident. Your faith grows and you grow and change from glory to glory into his likeness and image. But you're alive to God. Before you were dead to sin, now you're alive to God. All this is in the resurrection and etc. Romans 6, uh, 17 and 18. But God be thankful that though, though you were slaves of sin, yet you obey 
from the heart, that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Okay, uh, be thankful. You were slaves to sin. In other words, you were under the control of sin. You were dominated by sin. And uh, now though, you're saved and he said you're delivered. You've been set free from sin. Now you're a slave to righteousness. Doing right. Okay. You left the old life by new birth. Something died. Sin's power over you. And you were made free. Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should talk or we should walk with them. Okay, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Are your works good? Can people look, look at your works and say, you have been created in Christ Jesus. You were born in Christ Jesus. You were birthed, created by Christ Jesus Therefore, you act like him. You have some good works. Colossians 1, 13 and 14. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Okay. Delivered from the power of darkness... Redemption by the blood from sin. You've been set free. You've been delivered. You've been transformed. The curse has been broken. The power and dominion of sin has been cast down. Colossians 2.18 Let no one cheat you of your reward taking delight in false humility and worship of angels intruding into those things which it has not which he has not seen vainly puffed up by up by his fleshly mind Colossians 2:18 Sean Is that, that was, it that was it Okay let me uh, see maybe I got the wrong verse um, sorry, my fault. Uh, what I'm looking for is being made free from sin. Uh, but anyway, maybe it's um, maybe it's Ephesians. Maybe it's Rome. Anyway, uh, you're no longer under sin's rule. That's the mark of conversion. And you need to believe that by faith. Because your old flesh will scream and clamor and make demands as though you were still under its rulership and dominion. Are you following me? Your old flesh will scream, cry out, move through your emotions, uh, uh, you know, Try to get you in a bad environment where you'll fall. Uh, try to stir up appetites. Um, your flesh will cry out for cravings and 
desires and the desires of the flesh, appetite. It's, but you need to understand conversion, conversion is that has no longer rule over you. You don't have to give in to it. You don't have to surrender it. Not only that, he said you're now in another kingdom. You're in the, you've been translated from the kingdom of darkness where sin rules, ungodliness, to the kingdom of the dear son, the kingdom of God. You live in another kingdom. What's the difference in kingdoms? How many has been to foreign countries? What's the difference, A.J.? Culture, okay, what else? What else? Rulership. Okay, okay. and what, what does that mean by rulership? Who rules the country? Who directs it? Okay, and what do they have in that country that's different? Laws. Yeah, they have, it's another, it has different laws, different rulership, um, different governing uh, dynamics. Um, it's another kingdom. Thy pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's another kingdom here on earth that you can't see at this point. It's called the kingdom of God. And one day in eternity, we're going to rule for a thousand years here on earth. God's kingdom will rule. Amen. We'll build us a Noah's Ark and we'll... We'll have sunshine and make every citizen of Chandler come out and hear us preach. Amen. And bow down. But uh, it's another kingdom. And there's another king, King Jesus. And he has a different set of laws, his commandments. Uh, and you understand this. If I go to some countries, they drive on the other side of the road. Uh, you go to Germany uh, on the Autobahn, the uh, uh, freeway, there's no speed limit. You're doing 75 or 80, and they go, and some of you would enjoy that. You're thinking about moving there now. Uh, you go to other countries, and, and the culture, the dynamics, everything are totally different because they have different laws. They have in, and when I was in Malaysia, they had a law. You could not um, solicit uh, a Muslim. And so on all of our literature at the bottom, it said for non-Muslims only. All of our, our literature at the bottom that we passed out, flyers, etc. At the bottom it said for non-Muslims only. Of course, the people live there, they'd sneak around and talk to people they work with, and etc. But this was a law established by a Muslim-controlled government. And so... Uh, uh, you need to understand that God has a kingdom and etc. Okay, uh, you cannot be a Christian, see, without there being some evidence of this change in your life. And that is righteousness and holiness. Living right and separated, consecrated unto God. James 2.26 For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Okay, James puts another way. He says, faith without works is dead. Show me your faith by your works. I can look at your works and I can tell if you have faith. Amen. I've said for years, don't tell me Jesus touched you and there's no change. 
right? Everyone in the Bible he touched, he changed. It didn't matter if his little boy's lunch. It changed. AJ. Um, about two weeks ago at work, um, I was carrying a cooler, and it was these two white guys standing outside the hospital, and I was walking up, and he goes, hey, let me get a cold one up out that cooler. <laughs> I said, they done talked to the wrong person now. <laughs> <laughs> so I go, hey, I ain't got no cold ones in here, but I do got Jesus, and if you taste of him, you'll never thirst again, and you could see it on their face, but before, I would have drank a 40 with them, but... <laughs> To be changed and be ready to speak for God. And, and I ain't got to be in church to talk about Jesus. Yeah, yeah. That's when you've been touched and transformed and converted. Yeah. yeah, you can change. We talked about that a week or two ago. You can change the spiritual atmosphere by your words. You can change the spiritual atmosphere by your testimony and your words. This is true in your home. This is true at work. This is true wherever we go. You can change that. And, 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 you know, sometimes it's humorous. I remember years ago, a bunch of the guys here, was it Pecos Lounge? They, they run down and uh, they're going to, was you in on that, Frank? They're going to throw the door to Pecos Lounge open. Or no, it was in Gilbert, the Cowboy Bar, wasn't it? Cowboy Bar. Uh, they're going to break in the Cowboy Bar and preach. They throw the door open. The problem is there was a big cowboy sitting on a bar stool behind the door. And it crashed into him. His mug went everywhere. And so uh, a bunch of cowboys uh, chased the saints of God. <laughs> they jumped in the car. The cowboy grabbed a trash can. And he's beating the car as they're speeding away. <laughs> but I tell you, the atmosphere changed. <laughs> but you can change the spiritual atmosphere when people put this stuff on you. I fly a lot, and a lot of times, you know, they'll, they'll start, you know, uh, they want to talk. You know, it's an incredibly long flight, and, and you can tell uh, some guy there, you know, he's wanting to. And so I just lay it out. I said, yeah, because uh, they always ask you what you do. This comment on there, what do you do? Well, you know, where are you going? Where are you? And so I just give us great opportunity. You know, I, I'm a preacher, and I preach about Jesus Christ. Now people need born again. And you can see, man, the whole, then after that, you know, uh, they watch their words many times. Sometimes they, 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 they already had one, one glass of wine, uh, you know, and it's free. If you're in business, it's free. And it, sh- it changes things. Not always. It, it upsets people sometimes. But it changes things. You can change the dynamic. This will protect you in the affairs of life um, uh, from many temptations. If you'll just speak out, Robert. Uh, we are at work, and uh, if anyone knows, there's this demon on the radio named Howard Stern. Uh, many times he's talking about... I've never about, heard him. Uh, it's a... No, I know who he is. <laughs> it's, I know he, they're censoring him. I heard he yeah. changed, uh, He changed. what do you call it, a different... Venues. He went to... And now they're going to... I thought, praise God, you deserve yeah. it. They ought to but strip you. They, they put him on uh, satellite radio and... Well, they, they had him playing at work, and uh, there was a woman on there that was, she had wrote a book on how to successfully commit adultery, yeah. and they were, they were talking about this for a good 40 minutes, and I, I was upstairs, uh, I had a group of us, me and Brad, and, and there was another guy, our lead man, 
and couldn't handle it anymore. I, I built up. It was like I was about to pop. I just leaned over the balcony and began to preach. And I, I, I just said, hey, you know, just like this and blah, blah, blah. And I preached. And, I, and uh, needless to say, the radio went down and, and something happened. Something changed down there. Those guys automatically had a reverence. I think even the radio station changed. Amen. But uh, had we not done that, I would have been a madman probably the rest of the day. Yeah, you got to stand, and you have a right to stand, Mary. Kind of in a little twist, um, the place that I work, uh, people are primarily Christians, or they're people that profess Christianity, but there's a couple of uh, um, non-Americans whose kids have, have come to the preschool where I work, and uh, um, this one uh, really sweet uh, Chinese lady, her and her husband, they've come across from China and, and are starting a restaurant, etc. And uh, always just really, really pleasant, just such a sweet lady. And uh, um, I've been, you know, just praying and looking for an opportunity to really get to talk to her. And I had a real opportunity to talk to her the other, uh, the other day. And it was, it was kind of sad, but, you know, conviction works both ways, you know. The next day that she came in, she just wasn't quite as sweet anymore. She wasn't mean-spirited, but you could tell that the Holy Ghost was working on her heart, and it wasn't as comfortable to come to a Christian school knowing that she didn't know the love of God personally in her heart anymore. Yeah. And it's kind of sad that way, but, you know, that's what has to happen yeah. uh, in order for people to change. Israel? With two different guys at my job, uh, uh, they started doing. They started taking me to do some some stuff I never did before. And um, these guys, I've never really talked to them about Jesus. These two new guys, uh, you know, I just told them, you know, God loves them. I never really witnessed to them. But all of a sudden, you know, uh, they started speaking foul around me, and I just I said, Hey, man, don't speak that way around me, man. You know, you know and he's like, Man, bleep bleep, and he just kept on going and stuff. And you know, I just said, Man, I was like, bro. He's like, Why don't you curse, man? And I was like, I'm a Christian. He's like, I'm a Christian too. I'm like, Oh man, I'm doing a Sunday school class on this, man. And so I start telling him about it. I start telling him about the class, and then it kind of gets quiet and dim, and I just get back to work. And that was very early in the morning. Well, the rest of the day, all of a sudden, these two guys that I just told about what a true Christian is, they start coming to me on Thursday and just wanting to know about Jesus, and they start asking me. So I start telling them. So then that whole day, we start talking about Jesus, and these guys, they're not saved. And uh, so the next day, go back to work, same thing. They started asking me questions about Jesus, and my entire day when I was with them was just about Jesus. And that was radical because they didn't get saved, but the fact is that this dude said something to me that shocked me, actually. He said, I've never met a radical Christian like you. And then that opened my eyes. I was like, God's, well, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and said, you're doing something that the religious world doesn't do. Well, he calls it radical, and really it, it should be common. It should be common. That's the, the just reinforces the indictment I'm making, is it's drifted so far. If you're just a real Christian, then you're a fanatic. You know, but I mean, it's crazy in life. You know, I, I, I play for the Phoenix Suns. I played last night, scored 30 points. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Huh? Huh? <laughs> you didn't see me? You're at the wrong game, probably. You went to the Spurs game. I mean, see, they, they mock you to scorn, you know. Why don't you, why can't you believe that? Just look at me. That's why you can't believe it. Just look at me. But, I mean, you know, just common sense of life. 
I'm a senator of Wisconsin. But why is it when it comes to Christianity, if you laugh or challenge somebody's statement, all of a sudden, man, no love. You've offended me. You're judging me. Why is that? that that's the most bizarre thing in all of life to me. That's, that's insanity. Anywhere else, I, you know, I try to tell you I'm Sean Marion or... or um, Nash or whoever it might be, you, you, you just laugh, you know. I'm, I'm a member of, you know, I've, I've been witnessing before and, and I'm a Christian. Where do you go to church? I go to the door. Oh, oh, you do? Which one? Oh, in Chandler. I've been going for years. Yeah. I've, had, I've had this happen two or three times. And I said, you do? I, uh, are you sure? Yeah, yeah. I said, where's it at? And she oh, it's right, right over there, you know. It's on Elliott or it's over here, you know, or wherever. And, uh, and, and it's so funny when you tell me, how often do you go? Well, I'm faithful. <laughs> and then I said, well, you know the pastor? Uh, not real well, I don't, but uh, what, what does he look like? <laughs> oh, my. But, but... Uh, we have a right, and, and also one of the th- reasons for this class is that you might contend for true Christianity. Next week, we'll talk about holiness and, and, and what that is. Okay, God bless you this morning. We'll pick it up. At-